salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host. On this special birthday edition of the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, Judo Dave Roman. Why is it a special birthday edition? Because today is my 111th birthday! Actually, no, I'm just turning 44, but... I feel like 111 some days after training. (laughs) It is January 18th, 2019. Happy New Year to all of you. Today is actually my birthday at the time of this recording. And on this episode of the Judo Chop Suey podcast, I bring on Judo Joe Kaiser. I know you guys have been excited for him to come back on the show. We always have a great conversation, and we are going to have a great conversation once again. We're going to talk about judo promotions at the club, and I want to get his take on how it feels promoting his own students for the very first time. Some of them um, are new students of his since he started taking over the club or since he took over the club. We're also going to talk about his perspective on learning Nagi no Kata with me. And we're going to have a pretty good conversation about, um, I'm really looking forward to this, a conversation about jiu-jitsu fashion and the lifestyle within Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I'm really looking forward to that because we had a conversation off air, if you want to call this on air, we had a conversation off air about that. And I wanted to bring that conversation into the podcast, but first... Before I get into all of that, there's a bit of judo news that I wanted to talk about. This will probably be more pertinent to uh, judoka in the United States. And just a forewarning, this is probably going to be a longer than average podcast. So if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, you want to jump to certain topics, please be sure to look at the show notes and you'll be able to see... Uh, what exactly we're going to be talking about on the podcast. I know I already just covered it, but you know, in case you want to jump around, look at the show notes and look at the timestamps. I always put the timestamps on the, on the topics of conversation that I have on this episode or on this podcast, and this episode will be no exception. So getting into the bit of judo news that I'm really excited to talk about, there is a grappling event in the United States called Fight to Win. Now, admittedly, I've heard of this, but I really don't know much about it. And this is a pretty big event. They make it look like a big deal. It probably is a big deal, but they certainly put on the big lights, the the the, the cameras, the streaming, the crowds, the pizzazz. They make these events look like the the Super Bowl of grappling. I, I mean, the the quality is just top notch, and and the excitement seems to be genuinely there. For the people that watch the streaming events, there's live commentary as well going on throughout the match. So it's just the quality and effort and production put on for these events is 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 really something else. Certainly more pizzazz than what you see at like let's say the US Judo Nationals, for example. And and these are as I understand it, professional events. So these these fighters, these competitors that that go to these events are getting paid to win. And as I understand it, this is they actually this is put on by by FlowGrappling.com, and they actually have a subscription service that if you wanted to watch this at any time, you 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 pay a certain amount a month and. And they, they've got a little cash flow going in. And I, I think to charge the amount that they're charging, they, they must have quite a, a a viewer base. And 
Now, this is largely Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Gi, and No-Gi competitions. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because they are now introducing a Judo competition uh, with these fight-to-win contests. And I think it's really interesting what they're doing here. And this could be a real boon for the Judo community in the United States. I hope that... People that matter in judo in the United States and, and not ham and eggers like myself. I hope those people are paying attention because judo needs this. And let me clarify, judo needs this in this country. I mean, look, I know around the world, you know, a, a, a contest like this is small potatoes compared to the IJF World Tour. And, and that's that's also professional judo and, and the best of the best of the best compete in those events. But... For the United States, we need judo on a larger scale. And you know what? I hope that the guys that are competing go out there with geese and a bunch of patches, wearing a rash guard, mouthpieces, and all this kind of good stuff because we need more presentation in the United States. And look, I mean, take a look at me. I mean, I'm I'm still kind of sort of the only guy that does a judo-specific podcast. At least in the United States, you know, I figured when I started this two years ago that maybe other people would take up the mantle and I'd retire this hideous podcast. But lo and behold, two years later, I'm still kind of the only guy doing it. And that's not to take away from the judo edit out of out in Australia and the original judo podcast hosted by James Austin, who's out in the UK. I think in terms of people in the United States, I'm still the only guy actually doing it, something judo specific. Speaking of which, a shout out to Dr. Anne Maria DeMars and the More Than Ordinary podcast. She's referenced my podcast on her podcast a couple times, and I'd like to return the favor. So for those of you out there, Dr. Anne Maria, Dr. Anne Maria DeMars does have her own podcast, and it's definitely worth the listen. It's not only about judo. She talks a lot about business and 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 her company and and the things that she's doing down in Chile. So go ahead and give that a listen. But getting back to what I was talking about, the fight to win professional judo i want to take a look at the i want to talk about the rule sets and discuss what i like and don't like so i'm going to run this down real quick the matches are going to be seven minutes long um according to the flow grappling website the first person the two epon wins or a submission at any time ends the bout uh the match continues after epon throw is scored no restarts except for repositioning if the competitors go out of bounds 30 seconds of ground fighting allowed uh, before restart unless there is a submission attack. All arm locks and chokes are allowed. Picking up and slamming from guard or a submission is counted as a pawn. Uh, let's see. Pulling guard is not allowed, but flying attacks such as arm bars and triangles are permitted. Pins and hold downs do not score. Uh, there are no gripping penalties and leg grabs are allowed. Now, most of these rules I like. Except um, the one I really take exception to is the first person to two Epon wins because, and this is more the traditionalist in me, when it comes to judo, the Epon is everything. And if you diminish the Epon, then to me, it stops being judo and it becomes something else. And if you want to have a contest that you grapple in the gi and throws that that are Epon worthy matter, but they don't end the match. If you want to have that kind of a contest, 
by all means, have a contest and, and have a rule set like that. Just don't call it judo because to me, it's 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 not judo if you can't win the match without any pawn. And maybe maybe that's an old school traditional mindset. And I know the people at Flow Grappling are trying to do something new. But I think the body slamming, bone rattling Ipon, if that's what, how they're going to measure Ipon, I think that should end the match. And you know, the thing with judo is that you, you have submissions. And of course, you know, in a, in a quote unquote real fight, a choke is going to end a fight. And in a quote unquote real fight, an arm bar that breaks the arms is going to end the fight. Or a leg lock that breaks the knees or something like that is going to end the fight. And in boxing, you know, the knockout punch is going to end the fight if he's out for 10 seconds. But in judo, we're not throwing on concrete in our judo competitions. We're not throwing on concrete or surfaces that are going to cause a knockout. But that true body slamming, bone rattling, ipon on a concrete, that's going to end the fight. And to have to do two of those in a contest, I... I just don't think it's the right way to go. And maybe they have to try and appeal to the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu crowd, which is most of the, not only the competitors, but the the viewers, the, the consumers. That's going to be a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu crowd. And maybe because they're so used to seeing, you know, throws being diminished in their contest that they have to do something different. I, I don't know. I mean, look, those big time Ipon are very, very hard to do. And to make competitors have to do two of those, it's just going to be easier for them to go on the ground and try and submit from there. So, so yeah, so it's my understanding that um, Flow Grappling consulted with Travis Stevens and Rick Hahn and Jason Morris to come up with these rules. And I'm sure they debated a, a lot uh, uh, over these rules. And look, I like most of them. I, I do... Uh, with the exception of the Tui Pond, I, I I do like a lot of the, the way that these st- matches are going to be structured. And I think it's going to be fast-paced. I just hope that with the lack of gripping penalties that you don't have a bunch of guys out there just grabbing the, 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 the belt and, and stiff-arming out there, preventing any, any movement or entries whatsoever. Because if you give excellent judoka free reign on gripping, they're going to take it and, and they're going to, they can make what could be an exciting match very boring. And take, for instance, the very first match that's going to kick off this event is going to be former uh, Olympian Ryan Reeser, who represented uh, Team USA, uh, competing against a fellow by the name of Javier Torres, who was also a judoka for the Mexican national team. So you've got two former high-level players competing in this event. And, you know, if you give them free reign on gripping, it could be really exciting or really boring. I just don't know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this, though. They, they've got uh, they've got the subscription. I probably will subscribe just to see this uh, inaugural event. And thankfully, they, they banned pulling guard. In, in the original rule set, they, they were going to allow it, but uh, maybe somebody... Uh, convince them otherwise because if you allow pulling guard in in a judo tournament well again then it then it stops being judo and it's it's just you could call it something else but anyway fight to win they have events all over the country and it's my understanding that you can apply to be um to be featured in one of these events if you are a black belt and I have no idea what the entry fees are or or anything like that. I know you have to apply, and they have to um, 
they have to approve of your application to be able to compete compete in one of these events. I know locally, well, it's not really so local, but um, they're going to have one in Fort Lauderdale, I believe, way out in May. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. So that's as local as it gets for me. I'm not going to make a three-hour drive to watch a grappling event, especially if I can watch it from the comfort of my own home. But anyway. Now, before I bring on my friend Judo Joe Kaiser, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to all the people that have uh, sent me email and I have not responded. I feel terrible about that. But between the holidays, work, the new year, training, it's been really difficult to get back to some of you people. But I appreciate the emails. I will write each and every one of you back. It's just going to take me a little more time. So my apologies, but I appreciate all the listener reaction. If you want to shoot me an email, you can shoot, shoot it to judochopsuishow at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Lavita Judoka and on Instagram at Lavita Judoka. My Instagram is awesome. All right, enough of that. I'd like to bring on my friend, my training partner, and head coach of the Judo Club at Ebor City Jiu-Jitsu, Mr. Judo Joe Kaiser. Welcome back. Joe, welcome back to the Judo Chop Sui Podcast. How you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us again. I really appreciate it. So, so what's been going on with you in uh, training and life and otherwise? What's going to be going on? Catch the catch the listeners up. Uh, I know, I know, everybody's been waiting to have me back on to see what's going on in my life. But uh, you know, everything, man. Everything's going great, you know, got the job going good, uh, personal life going great, and obviously uh, very happy at the club with, with the judo program, been going excellent. So t- tell, tell us a little bit more about the judo program, what's been going on since the last time we've spoken. Well, since the last time we've spoken, you know, the class has definitely grown. Uh, a lot of the, you know, our jiu-jitsu players from the jiu-jitsu club have really taken a, a, a liking to judo and, you know, kept coming and training, and actually yesterday, you know, we... As you know, since you were there, we, we, we had our uh, promotion class and had some visitors from other other clubs. And I think, uh, we, you know, we've done a few of those open mats at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu Club. Uh, shameless plug right there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think yesterday was probably my favorite. Uh, and not just because of the pro- belt promotions, but uh, the Rondori that we had and, and the, the play with all those different players. I, I think it was the best one we've done. Yeah. I, and, and not only that, that was it's funny when you guys um when when that club has these type of things for judo more and more people show up now i know there's places around around the world where having six or seven black belts and 30 people on the mat is a normal thing but for me um that was probably the most amount of judoka on a single mat space that i've been a part of and I mean, that mat was full, and that's that's not a small mat space by my standards anyway. No, it's probably one of the larger mat spaces, definitely for judo in the area. Uh, there's definitely some big uh, BJJ schools in the area. Right. Uh, but, yeah, for judo, I don't know of any that has a larger mat space than us. Uh, and, yeah, and to your point, uh, you know, with the, I think we, we have six, seven black belts yesterday. Uh, and to be honest, there's a few that – didn't make it this time that usually come that right had some other uh things come up that they couldn't make it so we would have had even more but yeah to your point yeah that's probably the most judoka we've ever had on that mat oh you think so i it's got to be close yeah yeah because because you had the um 
you, you had the open mat training session just a couple months ago back in December. And they were about, I think, 25, 26. And I counted 30 plus. And that's there were a few kids that showed up that I was surprised. Um, they're, they're always welcome. But uh, as far as adults, probably the most adults that I've seen on a single mat space. Yeah, for sure. So what was it like for you? So it's my understanding this is your first promotion as a a head instructor right yeah so there's some so we we had one belt promotion class before uh but a lot of those students were uh stu- initially uh students of our old instructor uh Dave Middendorf and so it was kind of like a you know yeah, this is the rank you earn most, but most of their instruction had come from Dave. But there were a few students yesterday that were actually students from mine from day one as white belt that got their first and some second promotion. So, uh, yeah, it was very interesting, you know, just to see because it, it, it you know, this isn't like uh, patting myself on the back or anything, but it's good to see that students that, you know, you took from their very beginning and just being able to monitor their progress and where they've come. And it, it, it was a really great feeling actually. That That's really great. It's almost, it's almost like you're <laughs> put it in some way, like your judo children. And yeah. Yeah. That's to a fair, see them, you know, kind of grow up a little bit. Yeah. That's know? a fair, that's a fair assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Or a fair uh, assessment. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, uh, yeah, I, you, I was a proud judoka yesterday, uh, proud instructor. Yeah. There, there's, there's some, some guys and, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, getting to talk a little bit about a few of them but yeah uh yeah very proud so it's my understanding that um gosh it's some of these were really overdue for promotions what what took so long to to get around to it you know it is really just timing uh and i'd say uh so we we had a uh recently we we were looking to do it before the, the the end of the year but we had a BJJ promotion class that was also overdue. Normally, right. normally at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu, we like to do one promotion at a time. Meaning, one guy's getting promoted, get his his you know recognition, rather than promoting a bunch at one time. But they were also behind on on promotions, so we did have like a large promotion class, and I didn't want to um, not. I didn't want to overlap that. I didn't want to steal from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, because some of those same people were getting promoted uh, in, in judo as well. So we wanted them to have their own space to get that promotion. And so uh, me and one of the other uh, instructors, uh, Victor Ortega, who is a big help for me, especially on the administrative end of getting all this stuff done, we decided we'll wait till after the first of the year. You know, there, there's definitely some overdue promotions and we'll, 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 do a big class and uh, invite some other clubs to come over. And that, you know, so that's what we did yesterday and it, it couldn't have won any better really. Yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic. So my question to you, now that you're the, the, the head judo instructor there and, and it's your program and such, how did you evaluate these students? Because, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of giving students the rank they deserve. I, I'm not a big believer in, you know, especially when promotions are are, are overdue. Like in some cases, some of these guys were, 
maybe two years overdue. Yeah. Um. It. Or, you, you know. That's not a. That's not a point of criticism by any means. I'm just saying some guys might have actually. You know. They. The, their last promotion was two years ago. Right. So. You had made a a decision on some of these guys were going to get bumped up. You know, a, a couple of ranks, a couple of Q ranks higher. So, I'm curious, how did you, how did you come to uh, evaluate? certain students over others and the reason why i ask that because to me it's easy i'll just give them the next rank it th- that's easy to do even if it's been a couple of years just give them the next rank because you you know in 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 your mind or whatever you have to go through each and every single rank i i don't personally believe that so how how did you make that decision i know you and victor uh who helps you out at the club made those decisions together how did you make those evaluations you know it was really on an individual basis right um there were some that we uh on most of the ranks we agreed you know hey this person this is the rank that they deserve and this is where they're at and then there were some where there was some back and forth you know there were there were some people that you know got their first promotion yesterday uh that really could have maybe like you said been two promotions up Mm -hmm. but i I think at the end of the day, it just came down to what's fair to the the, the judoka, the player themselves, right? You don't want to, um, especially in, if these folks are planning on competing, right? You don't want to thrust them too far ahead because maybe they don't have the mat time. Yeah, they've got the talent, you know, because we've got guys there that uh, maybe got their first promotion yesterday but could hang with two or three ranks above them mm-hmm. on the mat. But is it really a disservice to, you know, promote somebody that far ahead based on their, their skill alone, you know, because I think with, with judo, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, at least in my mind that go with the promotion, you know, um, it's not just what you do on the mat, but it's also your knowledge, right? Absolutely. I completely agree. And that, that's probably the, the biggest factor between does this guy deserve, or this lady deserve a yellow belt or a green belt, uh, well, their talent level, yeah, they could they could get on there with any green belt, but do they do they know everything that that other green belt knows? Someone who's training judo, uh, maybe three four times a week, getting the mat time in, and also the vernacular and just the you know the the history, no, everything that goes along with judo, right? So I I think at the end of the day, we just uh, decided that way. Like, okay, yeah, this person could be a green belt, but let's give them their yellow belt and make sure that, you know, that when they do get their green belt, that they know everything that a green belt should know. And, and and I think that's where we're at the end of the day, where we came down to the ranks. So, so yeah, can I, and I agree with you. And I, I think this is one of the, you know, being in jujitsu over the past now, gosh, it's probably been the, this has been the longest stretch that I've been, consistently training uh jujitsu which is since late july early august so getting getting close to five months here yeah um and i I think the biggest difference um that i've noticed with jujitsu versus judo is that yeah jujitsu there is a knowledge component but there isn't really a a curriculum of sorts you you in, in the sense that before you get the blue belt, you got to be able to do this sweep. You got to be able to do this submission. I'm sure the instructors have that kind of curriculum in their mind, but it's not really spoken. Like I couldn't, I don't think I could go to 
not that I would ever do that, but I don't think I could go to, you know, one of the jujitsu instructors and say, what do I need to know to, uh, for blue belt? Like, I don't think that's how that works. At least not at that club. And certainly in my observation, not at a lot of clubs, but in judo, Hey, you know, if you're going to get a yellow belt, you, you'd better know Keisa Katami. You, you, you'd better understand when we say ukemi what that means. Right. right. You, you better be able to demonstrate ogoshi, you know, right. and, and not have to walk you through what that translates to. You know what I mean? Right. And I think what you're you're touching on right there is my, my point exactly. When I say the knowledge that a yellow belt or a green belt should have, like I said, the on-the-mat stuff, yeah, that's easy to evaluate, and you're probably right because uh, I've never heard of the curriculum to get your blue belt or your purple belt. I don't know. To me, it's always just been mat time, and you know, I, I, and I'm sure that your, your your instructors are evaluating you when we're drilling and when you're rolling. They're they're seeing how you're applying what you've learned, whether or not there's a, a certain criteria of what you should know at that. I don't know that that exists. Right. So you. you to your point exactly, uh, it might be different in jiu-jitsu like that, yeah. So so time and grade for you was probably, not not so much time and grade, but time on the mat was definitely one of your, your factors, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, like I said, there like you know that there's a, a few people that we promoted yesterday that could have won a belt higher maybe, right? Right. But the time on the mat to me is important, and it – it's little things, right? It's just like like when we were all uh, white belts and yellow belts, you know, maybe playing a little too stiff, maybe uh, uh, not attacking enough or not taking falls for, for in Rondori, you know, when your opponent comes up for a nice attack. Right. Things like that. And those to me, those things are important because once you get those things under your belt, along with, you know, like I said, the knowledge and me be able to call out, Hey, demonstrate this. And you do it. Those things are important to me in terms of getting your grade. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because in my opinion, like if I had a club and I was the head instructor and stuff, one of the, one of the criteria for me, especially in the lower Q ranks is how often are you taking falls versus how often are you, are you throwing people? Cause I, you know, lower rank people, I want to see them taking more falls because if they're taking more falls to me, that means that they're taking more risks. And I, and I think that's, that's very important. And then as, as the Q, as you go up in Q ranks, then, then I want to, then I need to start seeing, you know, okay, how often are you throwing people, you know, and, and how, and how are you throwing people? Um, I'll give you a perfect example. I was doing Ron Dory. And of course the listeners don't know who this is. Um, I was doing Rondori with BC yesterday. Yeah. And I've always said this about Sankyu because he was promoted to Sankyu. Sankyu to me is the most important Q rank because that is the rank. Well, in my mind, I'm sure some people are going to, heads are going to explode. That's almost the equivalent in terms of knowledge and ability of when somebody gets their blue belt. Yep. You know, but to me, Sankyu is the most important Q rank because that is that point where um, the student is starting to be do. He, they're starting to actually do judo, right? And it was really funny. It was a lot of fun doing Rondori with BC yesterday because he just got his sankyu, and there were times that he was hesitant, but there were times that he was going, and he and he and he caught me a couple of times. 
uh, on some throws, and and they were the throws were the right timing. He's he's a little bit bigger than me and stronger than me, and there's been times in the past where he's thrown me where you know it, it was more you know kind of you're muscling over, you you kind of strength, but but there were some instances I think probably three times or so where he caught me. You know, I was attacking and he, and he counted it beautifully. You know, I, I went in for for like an Uchimata and he managed to, I think he, I think he did a Yoko Wakari as I was going in for an Uchimata and, and kind of took my legs out from under me. And, um, and that, that's really great to see, you know, some of those guys that got promoted to Sankyu, um, they, they really are transitioning to become judoka yeah. and they're, and they're starting to do judo on their feet. Like they roll on the ground because I think everybody that got promoted to Sankyu yesterday are at least purple belts. Maybe one of us is a brown belt, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So BC is one of our guys that, uh, and he's also um, a guy, he was, since we started the judo program, since uh, Coach Dave started, he's been there since day one. Him and we have another uh, student, Jeremy. Yeah. They both were pretty much there in the very beginnings of it. And they're both purple belts in jiu-jitsu, legit purple belts. Yeah, yeah like they are. Borderline brown belts. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and I watch both of them play. And, you know, me and you, we get a chance to do Rondori with these guys often. But I watch them play like black belts from other clubs, and they held their own. Yeah, And they've they got did. some nice, clean throws. And you're right. So it's good to see that point where they start playing judo. Jeremy is probably been there for a while i mean he's just you know he's a young kid very athletic yeah very coachable you you show him something he's doing it uh and and doing it well like the next time you see him in rondori you know you show him like uh ochigari or kojigari and then he just goes out there and does it in rondori and against more experienced players so Seeing those two guys doing that yesterday against, like I said, some black belts from other clubs, no surprise there. Yeah. Uh, and the other kid that we promoted to Sankyu, um, he was a kid that uh, he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. totally le- very legit jiu-jitsu yeah, player as well. Fantastic. Yeah, very yeah. good. Uh, but he was, uh, you know, he, he moved to Florida from the Northeast. I, I think he's from like New Hampshire uh, up in the Northeast. And he's a kid that had been training judo for years with no rank right? Uh, because the, uh, they had a black, black belt instructor at it. Uh, he was at a school that had multiple disciplines, jujitsu, judo, wrestling, and MMA. And he does all of that. Uh, but he said the judo class was like one of his favorites. He goes, anytime there was a judo class, I was there. So for years, this kid's training judo, but, uh, I don't know if his, uh, instructor wasn't affiliated with any of the, you know, three, the big three, if you want to call it that, uh, I don't, (laughs) yeah. Uh, for, for, uh, you know, getting belt promotes. So to up there, it was like, yeah, we're doing judo, but we're, you know, there's no belt here. You're not getting promotions. You're, we're just, we're training judo. It's part of the curriculum. You know, you can use it for your MMA, use it for your jujitsu tournaments or whatever. But for, for some reason they didn't do, they weren't doing belts there. So, you know, this guy comes to my judo class here. Uh, one of the other students that we had at the time was like, hey, can uh, a friend that I train uh, jiu-jitsu with, uh, he's really good at judo. He'd like to come and train with us. So I'm like, yeah, obviously more judo. And so th- this guy comes, starts training with us wearing a white belt 
and he's just throwing people left and right. And I'm like, wait a minute. Either either my students and myself, because he's throwing me, yeah. are we're doing something wrong or this kid's not a white belt. Yeah. So, you know, after talking to him, I'm like, hey, man, how long have you been training judo? Come to find out, you know, the backstory I just gave you, he'd been training for a while. So I'm like, yeah, we're going to get you rank appropriate when we, we do our uh, belt promotions. And that's why he got sank, sank you, you know. Yeah, he... um. He's got he's got nice judo. He he's very postured. I I, I noticed I, I didn't get to go with him. I, I noticed he likes to take the 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 uh, around the back grip or yeah. over the back grip. Um, I I think I I still think with 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 students. Um, uh, well maybe at that level. I I don't I don't like seeing an over reliance on that. Uh, yeah. But maybe that's just the traditionalist in me. Yeah. I, I like seeing sleeve lapel and and learning from that way. But but he still had very nice posture. He moved well, you know. He attacked well, and and he he certainly held his own. So, one thing I wanted to, to get to is, you know, you're talking about him and the situation at his club, uh, and I I think that's problematic. There's a lot of independent clubs out there that are not a- affiliated with anybody. Now, your club, who are you affiliated with in terms of uh, uh, governing body? So we're. We're kind of in that process right now. Uh, we were with with one organization, and now we're looking at uh, uh, registering with USJF. Okay. Yeah. So now, why why USJF? I'm just I'm just curious. Why USJF over USA Judo or or USJA? You know, um, I don't. I'm just curious how that decision is going to be made, and, and maybe why. Honestly, so one of one of the black belts that we have there has a, a longstanding. Uh, he's a lifetime member of USJF. Okay, and it just made sense to us after evaluating the three that they that it would be good for us, especially considering his long history with the with that organization. And you know, he he had good things to say about him. And I think one of the you know, the important things is. You know, we'll have we have a few players that are going to be coming up for their for their showdown, right? Yeah, I want to talk about that too. Right. So it's gonna it's it's important to have, and he's a Sandan uh, through USJF. So it's important to have someone at your club that can evaluate and and promote the showdown. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't you don't want to happen or have happen what happened to uh, you know the, the fellow we were just talking about. Yeah, shout out to Nugget. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that, I forget. He told me his real name, but everybody just knows him as Nugget. Yeah, so. that's that's what I that's what I know him as, and and I yeah that that's definitely you, you don't you. I I understand the need for organizations, um, you, you know, but because without them, then then you have nobody really certifying your rank, and it doesn't mean that you don't know any, any judo or anything like that, but it, you know. I, I've said it so many times on this podcast. Rank matters, and, and being being uh, evaluated properly matters. And, Absolutely, and, you know, being a part of a, any organization it doesn't doesn't have to be, you, you know, it, it could be any organization. Just just somebody that you know, who, uh, who's ever ranked that you you trust and your know, or evaluation you trust and respect. I think that's that's really important. So, so yeah, so it'll be USJF for you guys um, now. Are you going to do Shodan? Uh, do you think the, the the evaluations for Shodan are going to be different? You know, I, I I don't I don't know because that's one of those things where between the three organizations, you know, I'm not really sure the division between the 
what they what they expect for 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 sure. You may have better light on that. What what is expected of you as Shodan? Well, I know for sure um, uh, kata, and, and right. I wanted to talk about kata a little bit because I know because you are obviously my my uke for 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 my demonstration of nage no kata. Right. But, so I I'm I'm curious. Um, I know you're working with one of the students on on nage no kata. Is that is that something that you're going to to look to do a little bit with more frequency? Is is being able to demonstrate at least maybe the first three sets on one side? I because I, I don't know the requirements for the USJF. I don't think it's the entire kata, but but I gotta believe at least the first three sets maybe only on one side may be a requirement. Yeah, and and that's what I'm anticipating. So. To your point, we have a, a few students uh, that are l- ready for that showdown promotion, and I'm expecting them to to know Nagi no Kata. And honestly, we're, uh, I want them to know it from both sides. Yeah, if that's, yeah I think that's and, and that right way, thing. if it's not required, if it, you say yeah, it's from one side, then then so be it. Then they they've they've over overstudied for for their test. Yeah, you know, which is over prepared, right? Yeah, I th- I think. For 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 uh, all the judo organizations, it's it's you for shodan. It's usually the first three um, first three sets of nagi no kata. Now I know in other countries you have to know the whole thing, right? Um, but you know that we're we're talking about the United States because we're Americans. <laughs> so so speaking of nagi no kata, you were my uke. Right. For Nagi no Kata. And I, I want to, I know I said it on my last episode or, or the episode before that. Uh, I can't remember which one, but no, probably my last episode. Uh, I wanted to thank you in, in person again. I know I've thanked you before, but I wanted to really thank you on the podcast since you're with me here. Thank you for, again, for being my uke because I know it was a very, I said it before, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in judo, hands down. I don't know. I would like to hear your perspective on being my uke for Nagi no Kata. And and if you wanna, if you wanna express your frustrations with learning from me, I I would love to hear it because I, I, I I don't you let her rip because I'm very curious to hear about your perspective learning Nagi no Kata as uke as uke with me. I, I'm curious if you thought it was hard. Or things along those lines. So why don't you go and, and, and tell me your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to second that. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in judo. Okay, it is. It, oh, yeah, absolutely. Even as Uke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Uke does a lot more work. And, and it's very, and honestly, no frustration with learning from you. More frustrated that it's so hard to do. Yeah. And you think, oh, I'm Uke. So, uh so Dave's going to throw me around a little bit. I'll take some falls. No, no. Yeah. There's a lot of work yeah. that goes into being uke. And honestly, I'm, I'm just glad that it, it was good enough because I really feel like, man, I really need to work on this because there's, you, you're right. There's a, and it's hard enough for Tori doing this too, but man, there, there's a lot that goes into it. There, there's, there's so much I, I have now. I talked about this before. I got, I have the the book by by you know Drager, Judo Formal Techniques, and mm-hmm. and that that is the book, the authority on Nagi no Kata. Now, I I wish I bought that when we first started, <laughs> um, because I was just relying on video and stuff. But I mean, we worked for for over six months, 
Yeah. I mean, we, and and when we put it on video again, it's it's not for public consumption. I will never publish that video to anybody. Um, I know you saw it. Yeah. Uh, ours was pretty good for for given the limitations that we had teaching ourselves both roles and and me constantly telling you do this no do this step here no bring your hand here not here i mean that's that's how it was i mean i i'm surprised you were as uh as as patient as you were i mean i wasn't demanding i don't think i was demanding but i was very i was very um just really jabbering a lot just just trying to tell you what to do and how to do it and but not not in a rude way but you know just constant instruction well, think about it. You know, this is for your promotion. You know, you don't want to uh, put something sloppy out there and it's like, uh, we this is a, this is a, a family friendly podcast. But you don't want to half ass it, right? You, right. You you want to do it right. So no, I appreciate that that point of hey man, pitch your hand because at some point you know, uh, especially with these uh, other promotions that I have, I may be okay again, right? Yeah, or or at the very least, and I I. I will be. I can be okay for them as well because I, I said it before. Nobody should have to go through what we went through. Yeah, I mean, we 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 did it the hard way, right? But, yeah. But you know, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. You you, it's kind of like uh, getting thrown in Rondori, right? You if you don't struggle or fail, sometimes how are you going to learn? You know, since we've done it, I've kind of went back and and read some uh, articles and looked at some more videos and just picking up little points like, Oh, I wish I'd have done this for yep. Dave this way as Uke. It would have helped him a lot. And, you know, just seeing the, the, the fine points now. So I, I, it was a great learning experience. I think. Yeah. Uke's job is, is tougher. I, I really think it's tougher and it's, and, and I said it before, it's probably more, more important in, in the kata, in the demonstration of the kata in the practice of the kata um because if you're not if you're not moving the right way if you're not doing the right things if you're if your body positioning you know if you're you know leaning over instead of being more straight or whatever the case may be it, it the, the kata really will fall apart uh for for tori so uke's job is is very very difficult and and, um, you know, I, I hope that when the time comes, when, you know, the, those students that are going to be up for their promotions, I, I, I you know, I know you're going to work with them. Uh, I certainly want to be a part of that and, and help them because it's hard. Yeah. It, it's so hard. And, and for them, they're just demonstrating, you know, doing the first three sets, which the first three sets. It's it's not very difficult except for kata garuma, you yeah, know that that tough. that's hard. That that really was hard for me. Um, you know, I'm sure I was doing it really wrong, but again, without instruction, you know, I've only got books and video without an actual instructor or not an actual sensei really evaluating. It's tough. Yeah, you know, it's funny to me too that uh, with all the uh, rules revisions in in judo. Uh, competitions that the kata you know you you're going and back and you're you're essentially some people think about it if they've only been doing judo in the past five six years and yep. they're starting to work on nagina kata it's like what's this kata garuma you mean i can touch the leg yeah that that's really funny to me when when you put it that way because 
there's a lot. We're getting to that point where people that started after 2010, um, they're they're already maybe getting their show done or even need done. So you're you're starting to get a generation of of judoka, you know, that's been doing the judo for so long that they don't they don't even remember a time when you could grab the legs. Right, like that's how that's how far those rule changes have taken us now is it's, you know, so many people are starting without the leg grabs that it's, that it's, uh, you know, that's how far, I mean, we started, we, we were able to grab the legs and yesterday we were working on, uh, Koichi Makikomi to a, to a nifty, uh, you know, arm lock. Um, yeah. that was, that was a lot of fun, but, um, actually that, that particular version was IJF approved. But... Yes. Yes. Cause you're, you're at, you were kind of like, um, clamping the leg with your elbow yeah. on the outside rather than using your hand. So yeah, that would, that version would be legal. Right? Yeah. That version would definitely be legal. And that's, um, I think it's a great version, you know, uh, for jujitsu because you, you continue and you roll right through right into a, to the hold down into the arm lock. So right. that, that was really good learning that I, I couldn't do the other one, the, the Kata Garuma, uh, you, you know, uh, if somebody stops you, with that Koji Maki call me to, to go with Kataguru, I, yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, not, it's, it's too much on my back. Yeah, I, I was more of a fan of the, the rolling through to the arm black yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, Joe, I got a question for you. Um, it's my understanding that you're going to bring the club down to one of the local competitions in the, uh, what is it, Delray Beach or Miami I think area? Boynton Beach. Boynton Beach, or, right, yeah, yeah. right. So... Tell me a little bit about how you're going to um, prepare your students because most of these guys that do judo, they are um, they really do judo for jujitsu, uh, but but now they're going to actually give try their hand at an actual judo tournament. So tell me about how you're going to prepare them for um, for training and, and such and, and for a for the judo experience. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, like you said, most of these students, uh, some of them have some co- competition experience under their belt in BJJ, uh, but I believe none of them have judo experience. And so, for me, um, I won't focus so much on techniques, right? Okay. Because the the tournament really, I think it's like less than a month away. So we've kind of already started like the competition drilling, you know, like the Uchikomi, Nagikomi kind of stuff. Right. Uh, for me, the biggest thing is going to be uh, focusing on things like the rules. Right. Right. You know, even I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to have to brush up on the current IJF rule set. Yeah. Because normally when I'm te- teaching at the club, I don't really adhere to that. Uh, I would say that if you want to align what I'm showing my students at the club, it would be closer to like what freestyle judo is. Sure. Right. You know, we do grab legs. Yeah. And, and, and things of that nature. Uh, even you hear, you hear that people, it, it does happen. There are judo clubs that still train leg grabs. It, it's, it happens. Yeah. Cause we train judo. Right. <laughs> and it's part of the game. Yeah. Steve it's, Scott will love hearing that. Yeah. No, I'll be honest with you. Shout out to Steve Scott because, uh, it's so funny. Like a lot of the times I'm like, when I'm preparing my curriculum, I'm like, man, 
what should I show today? And then, you know, uh, uh, Derek Darling and th- those videos that they show yeah. from Welcome Matt, there's, I'm like, this is it. Yeah. This is what, yeah, that's a great idea. I, I love their, their, their instructional videos. Absolutely. I, I've stolen so much from them. Yeah. Uh, they're probably going to sue me after this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, so I think the focus for these, these students to get back to your question is um, I want them to be familiar with the little things like how to bow on to, how to ray onto the mat, how uh, the rule set and strategy. I think those, those things right there are the most important going into the, these, this, their first tournament technique wise, you know, with a month away, it's not like they're going to pick up two or three new techniques before then. Right. But I want them to be more familiar with uh, the rule set the strategy, you know, um, even, you know, like edge of mat techniques, right? Right. Where, it, 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 where a, an attack's going to account for if you, you score a point or when it's not. Uh, the other thing that I think, especially for my students going in, one big difference uh, from what they're used to is uh, the ground, right? Nawaza. Yeah. You know, BJJ, they're not used to time limits on the ground, you know. They go down to the mat uh, in a judo competition. They get caught in half guard. There's not going to be any uh, laid back approach to passing the guard. You know, setting setting your opponent up to pass in half guard. You got to start uh, immediately. And if you're not getting past those legs in a few seconds, they're going to stand you back up. Yep. So I want them to 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 know all this stuff. So I, I think we're going to really maybe put together a a competition focus class for all the ones who plan on competing where they learn all these things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that would be a good idea. Not, not so much the techniques or even the drilling, but just those, you know, what, you know, for, especially for some of these, these purple belts out there, what, what is your go-to technique to quickly turn somebody over? Right. You know, not, not digging your hand in and you're trying to loop around that the, the refs are not going to, they're not going to wait around for that. Exactly. Um, Probably also they need to know they, they need to get into the habit of uh, even something as simple as bowing onto the mat. I'm I, I, I've been coming to the club. I'm terrible at that. I, I just I just step on the mat and I don't um, or, or, or another thing like like at the start of a match, you 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 ray. Right. Right. But don't slap hands. Yeah. You, you know, don't do that. You know, I've had to break myself yeah. of that training uh bjj for the past five years or so uh you know we always slap hands and do all that you can't do that in a judo turn no. you come stick your hand out you're getting that sleeve yeah <laughs> you give that their sleeve grip. Grip. Yeah. right yeah so that that you're, you know you bring up a great point uh i want them when we start doing this to ray and get them hands up and be ready yeah 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 and you've been uh i know you've taught a lot of gripping um uh, I, I all those guys are are adept at gripping for for the most part, correct? Yes, very much so. And I think you 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 got well you you got a lot of that from Dave, but I think more recently you've gotten some of that from the training camp that you went to in Mexico. You know, uh, over the su- last summer, right? You, yeah, you Travis yeah. Stevens himself. Yeah, yeah, picked up some some great gripping techniques from Travis. Yeah, for sure. And you're you're going uh, you're looking to go again this year. Is that is that right? Yeah, and from what I understand, uh, uh, Travis will be back again this year, and I also heard that Neil Adams is going to be there, which really excites me. Yeah, that that would be great. I I want to go. I, I Victor's pushing me to go. I 
it's going to be right around that time where I'm moving out of this house. That 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 might be a tough one for me. Yeah. And not not only am I moving out of this house, and I've got to uh, my other property. I gotta get uh, I gotta get that rent aid because I gotta get those people out of there. Right. So it, it might be a tough time for me to do that. I that'll be a tough sell for the for the wife saying, hey. I know we got all this stuff going on, but I, I want to go to Cancun for, for <laughs> four days. Yeah. yeah, that that's a tough sell, especially if she's not going. Right. You know, oh, yeah. and even if she does go, then we got to figure out the kids and stuff. So, well, I, I hope it all works out, and I hope you get to go because it, it was really a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it it it, it certainly it seemed like a great experience uh, for you and and for uh, did anybody else from the club go? Well, I yeah. know uh, besides besides Steph. Um, no. It was just me and stuff from the club. Uh, I'm going to try to get some people from the club to go this year. Uh, we, one student in particular, uh, uh, we, uh, Keon. I would love for Keon to go uh, just because, you know, can there's some pretty pretty high level. Obviously, with Travis being there, uh, you know, in our country, that's pretty much as high, high level as it gets right yeah. now, you know. So it would be a good experience for him because, you know, he has so much potential. Yep. Yeah, he does. He he definitely does. He's uh, yeah. We we were we were we were discussing this off um, off microphone, but he's a fellow that's that's a challenge um in a different way because of his of his athleticism and and I I'm not gonna give too much away about this fellow um on the podcast. Cause I don't I don't think it's I, I wouldn't I don't feel comfortable doing that. Right. But but I'll just go as far as saying is that this guy is truly um a, an elite level athlete. And it's hard because in this country we don't we don't have people that do judo um that are at his level. No. And I'm not and guys, when I say this, I'm not I'm not just kind of throwing that out there. Like you guys you guys don't understand it's that this this guy is truly legit um in terms of his athleticism, his speed, his strength. It's it's not it's not common. It, it's just it's not it's not a big guy that's just kind of young and stuff. It's it's a it's a whole different level. And, and you and I both know his his background in in sports and stuff. So Yeah, he's he's a former professional athlete we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that right yeah. and there is <laughs> I, I know it's going to drive people crazy uh for me to even say this but i'll say it that with just a little bit of judo knowledge he probably um could could make a run at u.s nationals and that's and and just to be fair you're not the only one saying that so oh, really well no on our open mat yesterday we had a a former olympian on the mat with him. Yeah, that's right. And and a former uh instructor from the Cuban national team. Yeah, right. And they both agreed they they both echoed what you just said. Did they? Yeah. As I a matter of fact, that. as a matter of fact, the, the the instructor from the Cuban national team said, Yeah, he should be in Vegas uh doing nationals this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think because I our this country's best athletes don't do judo no they do the sport that he did they don't do judo right they they play other sports they play basketball football baseball and hockey that that's what yeah. our best athletes do and and um right and and in this country it's it it's like everything else right you're going where the money is um, right if there was money if there was real money in judo 
we would probably have one of the best teams in the world. And I'm not, you yep. know, and I'm not trying to be some like nationalist. Oh, we're the best, but we have a lot of great athletes here, but you know, our athletes are, like you said, they're going to football. They're going to the NBA. We would have a, a much better soccer team or football for, for, yeah. for our foreign uh, listeners here. Uh, you know, and we're competitive in that sport. We're not great. We're never going to be a Brazil, a France, uh, an England, but we can compete with those guys now, and that's with our best athletes going to basketball, right, and baseball and football. So, you know, it, it's just the focus. If the focus here was judo, I, I have no doubt that we could beat anybody. Yeah, because because we have the we we would. We have, we the, have resources. the resources and the facilities, and and there's a lot of other countries that that excel in judo that don't that don't have the kind of wealth here. And, and I don't, you know, I'm not saying that as a it, it, from a pompous uh, point of view. I'm just saying we they just the United States is just different. It's and just, not even not even wealth monetarily, just the wealth of talent. Yeah, right. I mean, we, we you know we're 300. And, 20 million plus right. people here, you know, uh, and when you look at the countries that dominate at judo, you know, uh, even a country like Japan, you know, I mean, they have a, a pretty decent population for, for such a small place, but what is that? A one, uh, I don't even know the population of Japan, but it's nowhere near the United no, States, no. but they're so dominant at judo. There's, there's some countries dominant in judo that, that aren't even as big as Florida right. and don't even have as many people. Yeah, look at um, Georgia, like Georgia. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's 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 a challenge when you get a guy that strong, that athletic, because you just don't have the the training partners. Yeah, you you know, and and you you it's 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 got to be difficult to. Well, he's very coachable. I'll just say he's he's very very coachable. He, he learns quickly, but man, it's it's. To, to get somebody even close to his level, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be it's going to be tough. I I mean, he could learn proper judo. Don't don't get me wrong, but but in terms of com- competition, I I really think if if he actually set his mind to it, he could he could win nationals just because I I don't I don't believe there there's a hundred kilo a hundred uh, over hundred kilo player in the United States that's more athletic than him. I don't believe it. I I just I just don't. And you know, depending on and that's not and that's not a slam on on whomever that that person is. I don't I no, don't quite it, recall. It's just you don't understand. It, it's just, yeah, it's not a slam on whoever the hundred plus uh, uh, kilo champ is here. Right. It's more of a praise of how athletic this guy is. It, 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 yeah, it, exactly. You know, and, it, it, exactly. And you're right. If he if he wants to do that, you know, I'll do everything I can to help him get there. Obviously, you know. I, I can do what I can do, but we're, we're going to have to get him. Uh, he's going to have to go somewhere where he gets better, bigger training partners. Yeah, definitely. He definitely needs bigger, stronger training partners. But I really do believe that you and, and, and Victor and, and some of the other, uh, you know, instructors that show up at your club that they can teach him proper judo. Absolutely. They, 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 that's not the, that's not the problem, you know, they, you know, cause he's, he's still doing, He's still doing judo. So he's not really doing judo. Right. Not not yet. Um, but but I think he could get there very quickly if if he learns to apply himself, um, in in a certain way that that probably 
it's the complete opposite of everything that he has ever done in his life. Right. You, you know what I mean? So, um, now, the big challenge for, for him as well is like the, the funding aspect of that and, and right. the traveling and things like that. This is something that we were discussing a little bit yesterday um, during lunch. And, and I wanted to I wanted to get your perspective on this. Jiu-Jitsu... The, the jiu-jitsu lifestyle, the jiu-jitsu fashion, the, the tournaments, how is it, maybe you can explain this to me, how is it that local tournaments, local, can have cash prizes of $1,000 for first place and I, I, judo tournaments, nationals, maybe you get a gold medal and a pat on the back. You know, maybe a picture with Jimmy Pedro. I mean, I don't know. It's certainly nothing like the just local tournaments. You're no, you're absolutely right. What, what's the deal with that? What What is it about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? They They seem to have the lifestyle figured out. No, you you're absolutely I mean? right. I I think I think what BJJ, especially here in the U.S., has done better than judo or better than any martial art uh, is they've capitalized on on the popularity of like the UFC, you know, UFC is its own thing, right? Right. It, it, it's, it's fighting. It's, it's, you know, it's boxing, it's Muay Thai, it's judo, it's jujitsu all wrapped into one. But I think that, you know, uh, Brazilian jujitsu has made that association with MMA better than any other martial art. Right. You know, like, Taekwondo has always been popular here, right? Especially amongst children and right. kids. And a lot of the guys that fight in the UFC have a Taekwondo background, but they haven't really marketed themselves as, no. you know, aligned with MMA. Where Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's almost, uh, you think of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys and you think, uh, MMA. It's like they almost yeah. go hand in hand. Yeah. And w- when the fight goes to the ground in, uh, UFC or MMA, any of the, the uh, major organizations, uh, you you see the, the oh, hey, uh, that's something we were doing in my jiu-jitsu class right there. Oh, he's going for uh, an omoplata. Oh, you, you know, the way he took the back there, that's the way mine shot. There's a close association. Right. They, like, go hand in hand. And I think uh, BJJ has always been good at marketing themselves, right? Even the Gracies, who actually, you know, started the UFC. Yeah, that's probably yeah, right. where that's, probably, that's right. where that association comes from. You know, they uh, the early days it was style versus style, and BJJ won. Let's right. face it. They and, and you know the funny thing is when because I I've rewatched those those early matches many times. Hoist Gracie uh, did not do anything, in my opinion, that is unique to to BJJ. And I could I can understand the I can understand the outrage, you know, twenty five well, gosh, twenty five years almost. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty five years ago when you have a bunch of judo guys saying that that's just judo. Right. You know he didn't do anything that was so that you did not see maybe except triangle on the on the back but even that's in judo but you, you know, know I you could and you could even argue it was more like Kosen judo, right? Right, right. Right. So uh so it's you're 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 absolutely right, but you also got to remember that you know uh, Hoist was like first generation uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu, and those guys learned judo. Yeah, they yeah. started with yeah. from judo. So 
and they have like a, a combative type. Like they're yeah, they're, 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 that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is more combative stuff, right? especially earlier, right? Oh, especially okay. especially, especially yeah. when those got and, and from what I understand, at Hoyce's school in Torrance, that's kind of the style he teaches is more the combative style. It is okay, yeah. Right. So so that makes sense that he did so well. But you're right. You, you know, it was like, yeah, it looked like judo to to right, judo. It, it, right, it, you know, you, old you know, school judo, right? You know, like the the, uh, you know, the chokes and 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 stuff like that. That that wasn't really, there wasn't anything there. There wasn't anything that he did. There's plenty in Brazilian jiu jitsu that make it very unique. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and that's what. Um, I, I I do want to get into this toward toward the end of the podcast. I want to talk a little bit about my perspective on on training jujitsu over the past five months or so just a little bit with you because i we don't have this type of conversation very often but right. but um you know in, in those early ufcs they didn't they didn't really he what he was doing was not not there wasn't anything unique to like you didn't see butterfly guards you didn't see right right you didn't see just a lot of unique stuff there's no no bear and bull right you know yeah but but you know you can so you got you're talking about the the, the marketing of of ju- Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and and the UFC and that closeness, and they, they've really ran with that. Well, when you think about it, the UFC was a marketing piece for Brazilian, for the, right? For, right, Bra- for the Gracies, Jorge right, Gracie, Gracie. Gracie. That was his. He, that was his idea. Yeah, he wanted to sh- show that uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu was the most effective combat martial art, and he pretty much went all in, right? Had they went out there and got destroyed by some uh, uh, Taekwondo guy, it probably would have, you know, ta- we'd be talking about Taekwondo today right. as the, the, the lifestyle. And yep. the, But because Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was so effective, it was the ultimate, and that was his plan all along, was to spread Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and this was the, the marketing for it, and it worked. And you know the funny thing is, I don't know if you realize this, um, that wasn't the first time they tried to mass market Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Lethal Weapon, when when Riggs was fighting Mr. Joshua at the end, yeah, it's my understanding um, one of the Gracies... Oh, yeah, were, yeah. they were, were consultants. Of, they were consultants on that on that last scene where it went from, from a, I think it was, a, if I recall correctly... Uh, Riggs got uh, Mr. Joshua from a triangle, triangle. joke to an arm lock. Arm lock. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, the Gracies were they were so they were already you know in the United States really trying to do the but they needed something they needed a bigger stage something completely different that's going to catch the the attention of 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 really an American public that in general loves fighting. Yeah, because they, when you think about it, when the UFC uh, first started. Uh, there was a, cause I remember watching USC one, me and my friend Frank, yeah. man, we saw an ad on cable for this pay-per-view. I think it was like $9 yeah. to ultimate yeah, fighting. Cheap. Yeah. And we were looking and we we're like, Oh, we're there. And I remember, uh, get, we got together at his apartment. We watched that first USC back in 93. Yeah. And we, we, I mean, we were instantly in love. Right. But if you remember, there was a point where the USC was considered, uh, more heinous than watching porn because yeah right because like a lot of the satellite companies that were they doing, wouldn't show it they wouldn't show it you could buy adult films uh and watch them on satellite but you couldn't watch usc because yeah. it, it was like because so it was it, so brutal back then, right too, and though. it was such a risky marketing ploy for the gracies yeah. right 
when they first did it, they maybe they didn't think of it that way. But, you know, by UFC 3, man, it was like, hey, this stuff is way too violent. Yeah. And, and so they, they had to conform a little bit, you know. I think the only thing you couldn't do was was eye gouge and, yeah. and, and fish hook. Yeah. But, that, like, you could punch a guy in the groin. <laughs> if you, you hold know, it, pull his hair. Pull his, yeah, yeah. It was it, it was pretty brutal. Not, nothing like the uh, the fantastic sport that I – I mean, I think it's fantastic. Um that that we see today, right? You know, it was not. It's such a far cry from that. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way they could get away with. What it's they almost did. comical when you look at those old matches, like just right. Because that truly was, you know, nobody was cross training back then. No, you know, and and to to the Gracie's credit, with him coming in and winning all those early UFCs, it forced these other guys who were maybe straight wrestlers, yeah, or karate guys, like, hey, I've got to learn this, yeah, because. It works, and so now you—that's really where the MMA. Because let's face it, when it first started, it wasn't MMA. No, it, it was, was style versus style. Style versus style. And then guys started, and I think that's where, like you said, the, the the awesome sport that we have today. Because now, guys who get into MMA today, they don't—they're generally not coming from a a one discipline no, background. M- now they MMA start, is a thing. It, right. It's own thing. Guys right. who start today, they're, they're wrestling right. from day one. They're doing jujitsu from day one. They're doing Muay Thai and boxing from day one. They're doing it. They're learning it all at the same time. They're not uh, a guy who's been doing Muay Thai his whole life, learning how to grapple. Right, 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 right. right. So, so you got, so you got, you, you know, the, the, the marketing aspect of from that, from that joint together and stuff, but that's, that's not it. That's not all there is in this, you know, kind of this Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like, lifestyle of sorts. I mean, you've got all these different gi brands. You've yeah. got you've got these really great uh, 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 marketing for rash guards. Yeah. You know, t-shirts. I mean, it seems like, it seems like the Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a, is a general whole has really figured out how to market yes um what they've got compare and it, and it really appeals to again I, I know people that listen to this podcast outside of the United States they don't really understand it because Brazilian jiu-jitsu is like it's it's like us obsessing over curling or something right, right? you right. know what I mean it's just it's such it's such an obscure thing in in other countries it's not even worth mentioning for for a lot of those people but but at least in the United States, they've really tapped into, for some reason, it, it really appeals to to the, um, and I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, really appeals to the, um, uh, I, I guess, the American mindset, if you want to put it that way. Just, just in, and I'm not even talking about the, 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 the fighting aspect of it, just the, the fashion aspect well, of it. You know, it's kind of like, uh, and I'm going to date myself here, uh, and this is even it even started before I, I was born, but as a kid, but when, when the Bruce Lee movies, mm-hmm. when they exploded over here, the same thing happened with karate, right? Karate was the, you know, there was a dojo on every corner yeah, and everybody wanted to learn. And karate kind of had that lifestyle thing. You know, I remember as a kid wearing the Kung Fu shoes and the oh, yeah. Chinese star, you know? It, yeah. So, yeah. No, that's true. So, so for it, me, it was ninjas. Yeah, in that, the eighties, American Ninja, American Michael Ninja, Michael that was that was awesome, <laughs> right? So, and John, 
uh, Claude Van Damme also, you know, the, the kickboxing thing yeah, kind of, yeah. but it never really took off. No, it didn't. as like a fashion thing. Nope. I think it got people interested, but, but like karate kind of had that thing going on in the seventies. And like you said, they had the ninja thing. At, the early eighties. Yeah, yeah. Ninja and the karate kid. But the thing is Brazilian jujitsu actually has staying power. We're talking about 25 years. Yeah, now. you're right. You're right. And um, it's only getting bigger. It, it is. And especially from like the, the fashion thing, like you said, like the, the there's so many gi companies making gis and t-shirts and rash guards. And you're, you're right. And judo, uh, in my opinion, this is where they're, they're kind of missing out. And yeah. I don't know if it's that traditionalist attitude, you know, you know, the white gi and the blue gi only. I get that you you want to keep it traditional and and really if you're really a traditionalist, only the white gi is acceptable, right? Yeah, that that's me. <laughs> that that's me. So for me, sometimes, man, tradition you you got to start your own traditions, right? And you you conform, assimilate, or you you kind of get pushed to the side, and you kind of see that happening here with judo, right? You, we don't have the cool rash guards because I guess traditionally in competition you you don't wear a rash guard under your gi right right or we you know we you don't have no gi judo competitions no uh, except, except except with freestyle, freestyle judo, judo which yeah. which I, I I really wish and hope it catches on because I, I think it's a great thing to have going there like at our club we have a no gi jujitsu class yep. because like I said mo- a lot of most of our students compete in uh jujitsu tournaments and they compete no gi. So you want to have, you want to have, uh, extra techniques to bring to the table. Absolutely. Uh, right. So, but judo and like, even like one of the cool things that I like about the jujitsu lifestyle thing, if you will, is like the cool t-shirts, right. You, you yeah. know, where they take a, uh, a, a famous logo from a, you know, it could be like the uh, karate kid, the Cobra Kai. Yeah. You know? Cobra Kai and make it yeah. and translate it to a jujitsu. Like I have a, uh, a cool rash guard that's based on street fighter. Yeah. Yeah. And it says jujitsu fighter instead. Yeah, and yeah. it's got like the, the eight bit graphics on it. See, that's where, that's where judo for the most part is missed out. Now, dojo outfitters. Um, we talked about this yesterday. I think they do a great job. They've, they've got, they've got really great. They, they are judo. Uh, I know. I I think um, I can't remember their their fellows' names out there. Uh, one guy has a mustache. It's pretty badass mustache. But um, but yeah, they they put out great videos, uh, great judo videos, and they're they're marketing their stuff. Uh, they get they got a great slogan. Uh, that the whole wash your gi thing. Yeah, that's great. I mean, right, right. You know, having stickers that just say wash your gi. I see it at at, at the you know at Ebor City. Yeah, we, well. yeah, we had that up there. All up there. Yep. Uh, Fuji is finally coming along, I think. Yeah, they, they, they're they're kind of like the first, uh, if you want to call them a crossover, right? Yeah. Where they're they they've they've been known for years in the judo uh, uh, end of things, and now you know they got guys like Travis Stevens, who himself, right, at our highest level here in the U.S., he's probably our best known judoka, but he's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Right. And he so he's kind of brought that crossover appeal and that, you know, they've they've really um, they they do well in the jujitsu space as well. Yeah. With their rash guards and things of that nature. Uh, I I think somebody's got to do that. You you got they got to have and, and this is we were talking about this yesterday. You got to You got to have a, a, a brand 
a, a brand that people can identify with. And, and, and the thing that drives me crazy is, is if I go to amazon.com and I look up jujitsu t-shirts, I'm going to see a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Right. Where if I go on Amazon and, and, and look for judo t-shirts, I'm going to see t-shirts that just say judo. You're going to, it's going to say judo you know, with some kanji, some on, kanji it. on it. Like that's nothing. Like I love, I love NFL football, but I'm not going to get a t-shirt that says national football league. Right. You know, right. I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. So yeah, that's what, that's where somebody, I mean, it's been done, right? Jiu-Jitsu does a great job of it. Uh, one of my favorite like uh, rash guards that I saw recently is I'm a big fan of uh, Cafe Bustello coffee. I was just going to bring that up. And then they make, they come out with the, I think 93 brand came out with the, the rash guard that says Cafe Jiu-Jitsu with, yeah. the, with the same logo and it's brilliant. It, it is. I think I saw um, Tony wear it. Yes, he, right? Yeah. Yeah, he beat me to it. I wanted to get that uh, rash guard so bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got all the good geese. He's yeah, got the, yeah. Uh, the, the, what, the Super Saiyan gi from, yes. uh, from uh, what, what's that? Uh, Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z, yeah. yeah he, he gets all the good stuff. Yeah, I got the, I got the cool Batman, Gotham Batman gear yeah. from uh, 93 brand. And see, that's the other thing we don't get in judo. You're not going to get a... Uh, now, even even that gi, like, I couldn't use in an IBJJF competition if I wanted to. Right. But I can sure train in it, and it looks cool, you know, and it's fun. But... Yeah, you know, when I was shopping for gis... Um, or because I bought my first jujitsu gi not that long ago, just the cheap, the cheap one that you get off Amazon. But right. I was looking at other brands, like they've got pockets in their gis you could keep your cell phones, or your, your, your mouth, mouth guard, guard yeah. and stuff like that. Like that's really great. I mean, it's it doesn't have you can have that stuff, and I shouldn't have to go to jujitsu to get those kind of little conveniences. You know, and then get a size big enough that I could use it for you. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just, um, I don't, I don't know. It, I, it's just, it feels like the the a lot of uh, judo companies missed out on. Yeah, they're 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 missing they the market. They're not only missing the market. Maybe they just don't have the minds, um, the the people involved to really be you know, the creative minds like that. Or if they are, or, or if they're out there. Maybe they're just getting shut down. You know, maybe they're, you know, it's like, well, this is judo. You know, we don't do that here. You you know, maybe this podcast will inspire somebody who is a a cross trainer of BJJ and judo and to say, yeah, you know what? Those guys are right. Maybe I should start making some cool judo t-shirts that don't just that don't just say say judo judo with with an animated picture of somebody throwing a Nuchimaya or something. It's awful. You have a have a brand. Make a brand of your own and, 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 you know, whether it's a symbol or something and, and, and then just, and then just sell to, to, to the, you know, judo sphere in terms of, uh, this is, uh, this is my product. I'm making rash guards. I'm making t-shirts. This is my brand. doesn't have to say judo. It doesn't have to say, right. It doesn't have to say anything. I mean, just, just have a brand. So Joe, uh, wrapping up this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about, my, because we do train together jujitsu as well as judo and i want to talk about some of my perspectives of training jujitsu alongside judo mm-hmm. over these past five months and i'm 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 very curious to to find out if you've had these similar experiences um first and foremost for me over these past five months training jujitsu this is going to sound a little weird um 
it's brought a lot of healing to my body. Wow. Because my body was starting to, judo was starting to take its toll. Yeah. And starting, it, it, it didn't take its toll, but it was starting to take its toll. And because in in judo it's anywhere between you know 70% it's usually very rarely are clubs 50-50 in judo right even even when i trained with dave we were more i we did a lot it was more like 70-30 or maybe even you know 65-35 you know, we want to really break it down um but with my current training schedule it's it is 50-50 where when i'm doing jujitsu um it's the 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 pace that i go and it's all ground like we never we never really do stand up techniques in jujitsu we we right. start on the ground you know a lot of people i i saw this guy on on the on the club page some some old old school judo guy, you know, talking about butt flopping and stuff. And I, I, I took real exception to that. I, I, I really didn't like that at all because it, that's such a closed minded perspective on what jujitsu is. And I, I never, I never thought of it that way. Just, just a bunch of butt floppers rolling around on the ground. That, that's such a, that's such a ridiculous trope. It it frustrates me when I see things like that. It's so ignorant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it, you're right. It's it's kind of that old school "we're better than you" mentality. Yeah. I mean, you you have to look. You have to look. There's always been that argument too of oh well, that sport jujitsu that'll never work for real. It, it doesn't. It, right. It's sport, and it's okay. It's okay, but but to that point, um, for guy for you folks that watch MMA uh, and the, uh, one of the last UFC uh, events, you had Ryan Hall, who's a well-decorated BJJ guy against BJ Penn, the prodigy, the less, you know, the, everybody knows who BJ Penn is. Right. And uh, Ryan Hall did the equivalent of, it was similar to an Eminari role for you guys that know what that is. He, he, he rolled to his back almost Baron Bolo style laced up uh, BJ Penn's leg, took him to the ground that way, and hmm. finished him with a heel hook. Uh, probably tore BJ Penn's uh, ACL. Yeah, I, I didn't see that. Uh, and you remember now, BJ Penn's been a BJJ black belt yeah. for, for years. For years. And it, it, for you guys that haven't watched it, man, I, I suggest just pull that up because it's something that you would never expect to work in MMA. Right. You know, Dropping down to your back, rolling up onto your shoulders, lacing the guy's legs with your legs, taking him down that way, and then finishing him with a heel hook. Uh, people would say, "Oh, that's sport jujitsu. That would never work in MMA." Well, here you go. It worked. Yeah, yeah, it worked. yeah, right. And it worked against a legend. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So you're right. That that kind of mentality of oh. These guys just flop to their butt. Well, I mean, you know, in their the rule set of the sport of jujitsu, that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and you know the thing is, is that this this guy was, you know, I'm not I'm not picking on him per se, but it, right. it, it's such a. T- he, I, I guess he's an older gentleman. He was like, well, you know, why don't you come to the club and you know you could do judo with us. You can roll jujitsu and 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 he said he he doesn't do judo anymore because he he's torn his shoulder out. It doesn't work anymore. And that's 
that's kind of the thing where doing jujitsu is is going to allow me to train for the long term. And yeah. I'm I'm not a very flexible person, but a lot of my um I mean I was I was dealing with back spasms for months. I mean months and the constant rolling of of jujitsu, the constant movement that you know, being warmed up and stuff, it's really loosening up a lot of parts of my body. And that's what I mean that it's brought a lot of healing to me. Yeah. Because I'm more 50-50 now in terms of, you know, how often I do judo versus how often I'm doing jujitsu. You know, I'm, I might even, there's some weeks where I do more jujitsu than judo. Yeah. Um, but it's allowing me to, to continue training in a very safe, in a very controlled manner. And I only go, I only go one pace, you know, for the most part. Um, I, I don't, I don't care about being tapped anymore. I, I really don't. It doesn't, I, I, I could not care less. Yeah. I, I it used to, be, I used to feel very differently about it, but I've become almost a little stubborn and this is how I'm going to go. This is how I'm going to roll. This is how I'm going to approach this. If you tap me out, great. I'm going to have to learn to do something different. I'm going to have to move a different way. I'm going to have to try and, and sweep a different way. I have to figure out why did this not work? Right. You know, and, and I know like, I'll admit it, years ago, you know, some if somebody bigger and stronger, uh, you know, tapped me out, I'd be like, well, because you're just stronger. Right. You know, hey, you know, strength, dude, you know, I'm not that way anymore. I don't, I don't make excuses for myself. I, I, re, I don't ask somebody, what do you weigh? You know, what's your weigh guy? That, that's, <laughs> you know, I, I used to be that way years ago, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not anymore. I don't, I don't care. You know, we we're talking about the fellow who, you know, who, who's really strong. I don't, I don't care. I, I'll roll with him. I'll roll with anybody. Um, and if I get tapped out, so be it. It's no, yeah, that... I don't look at my belt. I don't look at it as defending the belts. And because of that approach, um, I've, I'm sure there'll be a day where I get hurt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or even injured. Hopefully, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I've gotten. It's inevitable head, that you know, stuff's but... gonna, little things are gonna happen. But more than likely, you're never gonna be like suffer something that's gonna keep you out for a long time or require surgery. Right. Or, you, you, especially because, like you said. You're rolling at your pace now. Right. The only time you really get hurt is when you go with uh, the guy who want who's trying to muscle you and going and you try to match. That's where right. you get hurt, right? So you get with the guy that's uh, going 110 percent and you're going at your 50 percent, 60 percent pace, and he keeps tapping. Eventually, he's going to either slow down and match you. Yeah. Or he's just probably he's going. Oh, I'm not going to roll this guy anymore. He's not. You know, he's just letting me win, which is not what's happening. No, that's not what's happening. You're trying right. to, you're trying to get better. You're trying on my own, on my own terms, right? You know, you're and not I, trying to win. You know, and when I look at you know, because both of our both of the head instructors at the club are are pretty. I don't want to say small guys, but they're lightweights. No, they're they're, they're small guys. You know, they're 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 lightweights, and when I see them roll, um, they always have an answer. For the situation that they're in. So that's why I. And that's kind of. My approach to when I'm rolling. 
I'm trying to figure out what is the answer to this situation. Exactly. Here? It's not. It's not just doing what I don't know what I'm doing, except harder and faster. Right. You, you know that that's not the answer. There's always an answer. There's always an answer to the pro. It's it's a it's a very complex. Um, it's like a it, it's like a puzzle of sorts, and it, it, it for me in judo it's the same way. It's just different, and, and the problem with with judo for me is that a lot of times the answer to a situation is well I got to throw left, and yeah. I don't have a good left. I don't have a good left yet. But you know, but it's forcing you to do it, and, right. and you're working on it, right? Right, I, right. You're, you're right. I have like two throws from the left side, but I know when I'm forced to go that way. I've got at least two things I can try. Right. Right. And you're right. It, it, it forces you to learn. And uh, getting back to what you're saying about our, both of the head instructors there being smaller guys. Uh, Joe Rogan said this a lot, many times on his podcast. Um, if you're going to learn jujitsu, learn from a smaller guy because they're, they, you're always going to learn better technique because right. they can't rely on their strength. Because it's not there. Yeah. They can't rely on muscling a guy over when they, they're beat. They have to figure it out with technique. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, uh, with our instructors, they're they're they've got an answer for everything and that's they have to do it with technique. Yeah. And that's that's the best way to learn. I agree. Yeah, and I just you know, like I I I, I tap out a lot more than I ever used to. And and I, I literally don't care. I, no. I, I just I just don't I, maybe Maybe it's just my age and maturity is is kind of come, you know, come along, and it's the same way with judo. I was about I don't, to say I don't care, you know, I don't care if you're, you know, you're a green belt that that throws me, um, you know, hell, I, I, I he threw me uh, twice yesterday. Uh, we, I mean, again, we're going at a certain pace, and when I do rondori, I, I'm pretty stubborn at the pace that I go as well. Yeah, if, if you know, if you. If you want to chuck me around and and you you get off doing that, whatever, all the more power to you. I'm working on my own things in exactly. my own way, and and think and I'm about trying it. to stay safe. And that's when your judo got better, right? When you stopped caring about getting thrown. Yeah, it, it, as far as my movement and yep. and and taking risks, and I I feel I feel like I'm progressing a, a little bit better now. You know, especially you know working with the kata certainly helped a lot. But I, I feel like I'm I, I feel like I'm doing pretty good judo now. Uh, right. You know, and, and that and it's the same with like you're saying with jujitsu. You've you're saying I'm uh, I'm rolling at my own pace. And that's that to me, like um, when I really saw my progression in uh, jujitsu. Yeah. It was when I learned to relax when I was in a bad spot. Oh, you know, really? Okay. Yeah, that was... Because that's what I do. I yeah, mean, I'm trying to figure it out, you know? That's the best thing that happened to my game. Uh, used to when, you know, when someone would get top position on me and, I, you know, I would try to hold my half guard. I'm holding on with everything I got and I'm I'm really trying to, to you know, hip escape out of there and, and, you know, not relaxing at all. Right. You just gas yourself out. You're going to get your guard passed. You're going to be in a worse position. So now... When someone gets into that position, I'm relaxed. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting excited about it. I'm just like, okay, so what am I going to do? What am I, what can I uh, force my opponent to do to get them where I, I need to be to, to maybe get a sweep or to escape out the back door or something, you know? Yeah. And that was the biggest thing. And in judo, it was the same way, right? When I learned to, Hey, if I get thrown, so what I got to, you know, I got to, uh, I got to, you know, take some risk and attack here. Yeah. And if I get thrown, so be it. Yeah. And 
I got And then from there, I got to figure out how can I do this without getting thrown? Yeah. And, and that's right. where your game gets better. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, um, I probably, in, in I, I'm, I'm definitely, I don't think I'm stiff in jujitsu. I mean, you've rolled with me a, a bit. I, I think I'm pretty loose, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I think even in jujitsu, um, I probably could stand to take more risks. I, 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 um, I take risks, but I try not to do stupid things. I, I try and take more, um, like I'm not gonna, you'll never see me, uh, cartwheel, uh, try and pass in a guard. Like that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff I won't do. It, you, you know, that's not my game either. I won't take risks if I think I'm going to injure you in the process. That's not the kind of risks that I, that I take, but, but sometimes I feel like maybe I'm not going for that submission enough because I don't. I, because I really like this position and I feel like it gets somewhere else. That's, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. And that's a smart way to play it, right? I mean, this is like one of the the oldest cliches in jiu-jitsu, that you, but you always hear position before submission. Yeah. Sometimes guys, you know, they grab a hold of an arm and they're like, oh, I'm going, I'm going for this Kimura here. But you're not in the position to get it. Right, right. More than anything, you're probably going to get swept or you're going to, you know, they're going to, use that to set you up for something. So positioning is way more important. So yeah. that's the right approach in my opinion. Yeah. It's just like, I, I give you a perfect example. Like if I've got Mount, um, it, it, I'm, I'm terrible at chokes, by the way. I, I, I don't know what it is about getting, submitting somebody with chokes. It's very difficult for me. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that excel at it. I, I don't, I just, I mean, I've, had all these lessons in judo I, I've had for, for you know, going on my 13th year. I mean, I've, I I know all the basic jokes. I just, it's very difficult for me to get a choke um, mm. on, on anybody, whether it's Hadaka Jime or, you know, Kuri Eri Jime. It doesn't matter. It's it's always very difficult. But even in jiu-jitsu, I'm not even allowing myself to take risks. Like if I got Mount going for, you know, cross-collar choke because I'm afraid I'm going to get turned over. But not, well, not afraid. I just don't want to get turned over because right. I like the top position. But then, you know, then I realize, well, if I get turned over, I, I still have to choke. I could still keep working. Absolutely. That. There's there's a lot of like uh, almost like in judo to, 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 you know, align it like sacrifice chokes. Right. Right. There's chokes where if you've got the right hand, the right grips, right them sweeping you is actually to your advantage. To your advantage, right. Because you can use that momentum to you know, over rotate and really choke them out. Right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah. And so those are the type of things that I don't take as many risks as I probably should. Right. Because I, I like, I like top position. Right. But at least you recognize it. Right. Right. So now maybe next time you're rolling, you're on top. You're like, you know what? I've got, I've got nice, uh, cross collar grips here. If he rolls me, I don't care. I still got the grips. I can still finish the choke from the bottom. Right. And and if they sweep in and it doesn't work, then you figure out why didn't it work. Right, and right. And you try right. it again next time. It might be you might you know, you might get swept a hundred times before it works, or it might take three times. Yeah, and you know, speaking of top position, I, I think we've talked about this before, but um I gotta tell you, one of the biggest differences I see with blue belts versus purple belts is their is their top game. And like, there's, it's, it's really interesting to like purple belts have all, all the really cool skills, uh, cool skills, you know, quote unquote, yeah. cool skills from, from, uh, 
you know, these, these different half guard sweeps and, and working on their back. But, but when they get at the club, man, you know, yourself included, like they get past me, they get past my defenses. They feel like judo guys. They, yeah. and I mean that in a good way. They feel like when, when they get their hold down, I, I like, I feel like I'm suffocating, like I'm stuck where, where the blue, the blue belt's not so much. I feel like, you know, especially when things are, are, are pretty close in terms of, you know, size and, and right, weight. Right. You know, it's it that is the biggest difference to me is the is the the purple belts. They got all the they all got all the cool skills, but man, their 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 hold downs, their their pins, that the space that they leave, it's yeah. it's, it's almost non existent. I, I mean, gonna, that's such a big difference. I was gonna say we've talked about this before. I the biggest difference between like a good blue belt and a purple belt is the space. Yeah. Right. And and then conversely going up from there, the biggest difference between a brown belt and a purple belt is the space space too. And then the next level, a black belt leaves you no space. Right. Uh, I mean, and I've said this before, uh, when you watch a high level key Brazilian jiu-jitsu match between two high level black belts, I hate to say it this way, but it can sometimes be frustrating to watch because it's like two boxers, that are both so good that neither one can land a strike. Right, right. Like when you, you know, Floyd Mayweather boxing against anybody, uh, it, sometimes it's hard to watch because you can't hit him. Right, right. He's so good, and and with him not being like a knockout boxer, so it, people can say, "Oh man, it's boring," but it's really so high level. Yeah, right. You know, sometimes when I watch some of these guys in the gi that are so high level, and they don't give each other. A, a millimeter of space so it, it almost looks like nothing's happening but so much is happening yeah, yeah. whereas when you watch nogi jujitsu you know there's it's all there's a lot of action because we you don't have the the grips the same kind of grip and you don't have the friction from the the gi pants you know? sure. so these guys there's a lot more it seems like it's a lot more exciting even you take the same two guys that are high level black belts and you take the gis off them it's a different a different match. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so you're right. That, that, the, the whole thing you said about it, the, the biggest difference, it, it isn't necessarily always the skills and the techniques Yeah, Obviously a purple belt has been on the mat a little longer. It's got a few more techniques, but more importantly, it is that space yeah. and that top pressure. Yeah. The top pressure, man. It's yeah. just, uh, they're, they're good. I mean, they, they're good. They, 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 they all feel like, you know, like any ex- any experienced judoka that gets you in that hold, it's it's right. hard. It's hard to get out. And even though in jujitsu you have that time, and I, I think that's the different skill set too. Is you know in judo you can exert yourself for twenty seconds, and then the match is over. All all you right. want, but but just it's it's like you, you know when I'm when I'm playing off my back against somebody that's a purple belt. I, I I probably shouldn't even give up in my mind. Not that I give up, but like when they get past me, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not getting guard back. Yeah, I, I'm, it's not happening. Like against some of the blue belt, some of some of them, I I can, but man, the, the purple belt. Once they get past, once they get past my my legs, I I they, I can't counter them. I can't. You know, I I suppose. No. I mean, even trying to escape out the back, I have to be faster to to once they sink it in, sink yeah. sink that hold down in. I 
I, I have to like, uh, yeah, it's, it's and what's going to happen eventually is you're going to, you're going to find that answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, there'll and, be an answer. There's an yeah, answer. Yeah. You'll find that answer. And then you're going to be, you're going to be the guy frustrating blue belts. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, right. You, right. Know? you know, it's just, uh, cause that was me. That, that was definitely me when I, you know, when I was a blue belt and going against purple belts. Yeah. And once I got past my guard, it was like, man, what am I? <laughs> yeah. What do I do from here? And it, it, it just comes with time because they, because they all, they all know the tricks. Yeah. You know, they, they all know the little things that, that, that judo guys tend to do, especially like the, you know, the over the head, uh, case of Katami turnover. Yeah. They don't, they don't fall for that. No, no. They, they really don't. I'll be um, honest when I'm rolling, uh, Case of Katami is, I'm, I'm not like crapping on it, but it's one of the last things I'm going to use positioning wise in jujitsu, unless uh, I know that uh, I can finish from there. Cause there, you know, there's a few little arm locks that I like to do for yeah. Case Katami. But other than that, I, I rarely go there. I, I really like side control. A lot of the other purple belts at the club do though. And they're very good at it. Yeah, they're man. They're very good. I mean, I don't like being put in it for sure because it is, it's not a fun place to be. Right. Uh, but as far from the, being the one attacking from Kesa, I, I have a couple of things that I like to do from there. But normally, if if I can get to there, I'm going to transfer to side control. Yeah. That cross face, you know. Yeah, do you know who's really good? Is, even though he's a lot bigger than me, but it doesn't matter. Um uh, Roman is very Roman good. Fox, at oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, uh, is it, I think his name is Will. Um, he's very good at, at purple that. belt. Yeah. 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 He's very good at that. I can't, once, once they get, you know, it, it, like I said, it doesn't matter that they're, they're, they're bigger. They know, they know that space. They know how to close that space right. and they're very good at that. Yeah. So, well, Joe, I, I really appreciate you coming over and, and uh, having this discussion. I hope the listeners enjoy it. I'm sure they will. And if they don't, they'll just uh, they'll let me know about it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so any, any parting words uh, for the audience, Joe? Hey, get on the mats. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can say. Judo, jiu-jitsu, uh, wrestling. Absolutely. Submission yep. grappling. Gi, Sambo. No gi. Sambo. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, maybe maybe we'll save this for the next time I come on. But, but uh, our th- your thoughts, and this is something to put in the listeners' minds too. Uh, how do you feel about sambo and in its relation with judo and how it fits in? Yeah, that that's that's a discussion I'd love to have. Yeah. Um, especially because sambo's known for leg locks. Yes, and you've shown me a few leg locks. You certainly know them a mm-hmm. lot better than I do. So, I would love to bring you back on the podcast um, and have that kind of discussion. Uh, but but for now, I think we'll we'll cut it here. Yep. And uh, say goodbye to the audience and um, and we'll leave it at that. All right. Thanks, All right take everyone. care. Appreciate it. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Oh, oh, oh.